The Stein Online Clubland Q&A begins right now. everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome to your substitute guest host for the substitute guest host, uh, filling in for the great prophet Mark Stein, pocket squares be upon him. I mean, I mean, forever and ever. Um, I am really happy to be here. I can let you know that it is August 26, 2022. It is a delightful afternoon in Toronto, Canada, in the deranged dominion, as Mark always calls it. And uh, somebody asked me last time if I could let them know what time it is specifically in Jerusalem. It is now the Holy Sabbath in Jerusalem. It is 11 o'clock p.m. in Jerusalem. And uh, that's about the only time, uh, time zone recitation you're going to get, because like I said before, my brain just doesn't work very well on multiple time zones. So hopefully this will pass very pleasantly for you. We have a number of really good questions that have come in, some of them on the Jewy side, some of them on the political side. So I am going to try to get to as many of them as possible. And uh, thanks for joining in and thank you to everybody who left such kind notes about my debut um, hosting gig here. It's a great seat to warm up, so thank you very much. Few questions came in already um, about you know where Mark is, and um, he's really excited about this performance. Um, it's been a while since things have been sort of back to normal at Buckingham Palace, and um, he's been practicing his spoken word rap routine and got specially fitted for a really beautiful paisley uh, tutu. And um, you know, took a, a very important um, professional development course to learn how to make beautiful copper pots and pans to bang on behalf of the NHS, and he's really, really excited about it. So, um, as for our first question, we're gonna we're gonna dive in because that relates to um, you know what Mark is up to. We have a question from uh, and a comment actually from Robert Stewart who wrote, Laura, I really enjoyed your show last week. Thank you, and looking forward to listening to you this afternoon. Yes, you've got an hour of me. My husband is really delighted. It's an hour less for him to listen to me, so thank you, Mark, once again. Um, does Mark's performative dance involve cats? Well, you know, it's a very secretive um, society, much like the WEF, uh, so I think basically anything that goes on in that performance, whether there are felines included or not, is going to stay very, very safe and secure. Um, again, it's one of those things we could all tell you afterwards, then we'd have to kill you. You know how it goes, the old Mossad thing. Um, but we'll try to get a little bit of a report from him, uh, when he comes back. Anyways, like I said, honored to be here. Um, and hopefully we will get through most of your questions. So what else have we got here? We have Tony Allwright 
Hi, Laura. Welcome to your second Q&A. I salivated at the picture of your delicious cockroach bolognese on Laura's links yesterday. Uh, reminded me of a trip to Lucerne. And then we have a description of various uh, bug dishes. Uh, scrumptious as these little bites are, my question is, where do you get the cockroaches for your bolognese? I bet that properly crisped up your roaches would probably make drinks and snacks that are more delectable than Switzerland's from Tony Allwright, first week member. But are these tasty insects kosher? Are they slaughtered in a proper kosher way or halal way? So let's take part of it jokingly and part of it seriously. I mean, this this whole eat the bugs thing it's it's so disgusting and you know humans have such a natural aversion to bugs and creepy crawly things i know that there are cultures that eat them and celebrate them as wonderful proteins but we we most humans we do have an avert aversion to skittly buggy gross things um and apparently i mean i'm not going to do that much research on this but a lot of bugs contain stuff that are, are very deadly to humans and mostly humans try to avoid critters so this is preposterous stuff um what i'm worried about is that it's really these this cricket powder i.e flour they're trying to convince us that it's flour is sneaking its way into ingredients into stores cricket protein and all kinds of other disgusting bug stuff so the short answer about bugs is that no bugs are not kosher and actually um, in terms of kashrut, uh, Jews, observant Jews are extremely careful about um, washing everything for bugs, vegetables, like over and over. Some people even have so vegetable soaps that they wash their stuff with to make sure that there's no bugs. Um, a lot of very orthodox Jews don't eat vegetables that have um, more possibility of having bugs like, you know, cauliflower or broccoli or cabbage where it's really hard to find bugs. So in general, bugs and kosher no do not do not go together i can't really speak to halal at all um there is uh, some reference uh biblically to you know to grasshoppers i think a, a type of grasshopper was kosher at some point but we really don't know that much about it and just as a general rule rule nobody's going back to that i don't i don't really know of any rabbis or halachic experts who've um encouraged the use i think it's very complicated so in general definitely not bugs and um, I think we should be really careful about who's trying to push this stuff on us because we know that they're not going to take the same medicine as they want us to take. Um, so yeah, totally disgusting. And just watch the labels. Like for myself, for example, um, you know, people who keep kosher get kosher certified things um, in terms of products that are processed or packaged. So we kind of know that there's no bugs, but you guys all should really be looking at the labels if you're buying anything that's processed or packaged, because this stuff is getting snuck in. And you can see all over Twitter, people are posting pictures of stuff where pro interesting proteins are being snuck in, flowers. So take a good look at the ingredients. It's really not in the realm of conspiracy theories. It's just disgusting. And that's what they're trying to push on us. So buyer beware, really um, keep an eye on that stuff. Yuck. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Eric Dale. Hey, Laura, I'm glad to see you doing the Q&A again. What are your thoughts on the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the eerie media silence on it while everyone else is taking their very predictable sides on the issue du jour in America, namely Biden's student loan forgiveness proclamation, the Congress silently approved ever more funding to continue the war? Shouldn't a proxy war against a nuclear armed and hostile power like Russia command more discussion and attention than this? Eric, this is a really good question. I mean, 
the whole business about Ukraine and Russia is so very weird. I, I, I find it like impossible almost to get to the bottom of it, to find sources that I trust on this. And it's just really weird because, you know, a, a long time ago, like not so long ago, um, decades ago, Russia was really the bad guy. But yet, you know, the American left romanced um, communism, um, lefties love Che Guevara and all this stuff. There's a real romance with with communism. Bernie Sanders, you know, all these kooks, all these American communists love Russia, 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 communism, communism. We just didn't try it right. So so we went from this romance to like Ukraine to Russia being this super duper bad guy who like stole the elections, man. And that was crazy enough, but this Ukraine war really ups the ante. So it's very complicated. I am convinced that there's a massive graft going on and that it is a, a bank machine or what do you call them in America, ATM, for so many people just like COVID. And yeah, when I saw this latest news story about even more weapons being transferred to Ukraine, um, apparently American soldiers, did anybody else see this like on Twitter or anywhere else that um, American service personnel are being asked to turn in certain weapons so that they can be sent over to Ukraine? Like, I don't know if that's true or not, um, but it's crazy if it's true and it's not hard to believe. And all this money. And it's like, I think I said in the beginning that um, Russia invasion of Ukraine bad, but I cannot really be a cheerleader for Ukraine. I mean, I don't see any reason to be a cheerleader for Ukraine. They have a terrible history of pogroms, anti-Semitism, very bad Holocaust stuff. So even on that level alone, I'm not going to cheer. So, you know, you two things can be true at the same time. So invasion bad, but that doesn't mean Ukraine is good necessarily. Um, so I, I don't really know why... America is giving away so much money that it doesn't have because you all are broker than broke um, unless people are really getting in on the action and figuring that this is like maybe the last hurrah of the empire, like just stuff away the cash under the mattress before the U.S. dollar, you know, loses its position as the world currency um, before before the Chinese take over, call in your loans. I mean, that's one possibility. <laughs> like, I, I don't have a huge sophisticated inventory of knowledge about monetary policy, but it certainly seems to me that this uh, flooding of Ukraine with American money is very misguided at the least, and it's really insane. Um, and yeah, uh, again, it's sort of a it went very silent because um, there was other things to talk about. Um, COVID went silent too, and we can talk about that a little bit more later. Uh, on the issue of the student loans, uh, I saw it best put by somebody online who said that it's woke welfare. And um, it's, it's absolutely disgusting. First of all, America does not have the money for this. Um, you know, it's a very Trudeau-esque kind of thing to just try to buy people off with their own money, but it's the most privileged, woke, um, indulged, decadent gender studies um, people that are going to get this money, this relief, and people who did the right thing and took out loans for their studies and paid them back or are still paying them back are going to get completely screwed. Um, woke welfare, this is what it's come to, and you guys don't have the money, and it's it's absolutely disgusting and. I, I don't know what to tell you guys. There's like, there's no adults in charge. I mean, Trump, for all his faults, was an adult 
in charge in some ways. Nobody would have pulled this stuff on Trump's watch, like this kind of crazy stuff. Putin would not have invaded. Trump, uh, very flawed in terms of a leader, but definitely loved his country, no doubt about that, an adult in the room. And it's really hard to discern if there's any adults in the room in America. And if there's anybody, I mean, possibly Ron DeSantis um, and, and maybe a handful of others who, who could rein in some of this insanity, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not super optimistic right now. So yeah, the, the, the Ukraine thing I think is a bank machine. I can't think of any other reason. I am so repulsed and disgusted by all those images of that the, the midget Jewish leader guy, you know, with his celebrity photos. I mean, war is such hell that you can take pictures with Hollywood starlets. Like, give me a break. So that's, I uh, hope I've answered a little bit of that. Uh, Al writes, thoughts about Biden's ridiculous wealth transfer, student debt forgiveness scam. I'm not fond of America's student loan industry, but I dislike socialist extortion anymore. Yeah, I, th I think I cover that pretty much. It's definitely a very socialist, disgusting um woke welfare tax and but like this is sort of the end result of puffing up the credentialed masses and the credentials in in america um you know people walking around with these useless degrees not capable of doing very much with them at all not capable of reading and writing um just just capable of being bratty whining awful people um vocally and you know being expert on social media it's it's really awful and this generation of miserable young people is going to grow up and be a generation of mis miserable older people making terrible policies and again not having any money to do this stuff it's pretty awful in all directions so sorry no no sil no silver lining to report to you guys on this uh it's it's really pretty awful Let's go right along. Uh, Peter Piper. Dear Laura, this is a biggie, guys. Uh, recently, I think it was like yesterday or a couple days ago, Mark Zuckerberg informed Joe Rogan that Facebook algorithmically censored the Hunter Biden laptop story for seven days based on a request from the FBI to restrict election misinformation. So we now know what we have suspected, that Big Gov and Big Biz are actively colluding to engineer election outcomes. Big picture, where do we go from here? Yeah, I don't know if everybody saw that clip, but it was a clip of um, Joe Rogan with his guest Mark Zuckerberg. Um, hopefully you can see it still online before it's disappeared, talking about how, oh, yeah, you know, Hunter Biden laptop. Oh, yeah, the FBI, they totally asked us to um, downplay that story. We weren't like Twitter. We didn't ban it completely. We just downplayed it so that its reach wasn't as far and wide. And the thing that's amazing about that clip is you can see how completely comfortable um, Mark Zuckerberg is in this like Peter Pan juvenile um, facade. You know, it's it. He's a very good actor if you think about it. He's in his stupid T-shirt with his stupid grin, shaven. You know, like a baby and um, moister than an oyster. His face, even though he's pushing forty, I think now. 
and he's just talking about, oh, he doesn't really know the details. No, no, he doesn't really remember exactly what the FBI said. But if the FBI, I mean, they are serious law enforcement people, then you got to do what they say. And the chilling thing about it is how little these awful big tech tyrants, these horrible totalitarian censorious jerk-offs, how easy it just slides right out of their mouths, knowing they're being recorded, knowing that millions upon millions of people are listening. They are so comfortable with their lies and with their censorship and with their utter capture of freedom of speech. They have nothing to be afraid of. And that's why they can say it so easily and so calmly. Um, you know, related, there was a clip of Sam Harris, the atheist Goomba, talking about how he wouldn't have really cared if there were children's dead bodies in Joe Biden's or Hunter Biden's basement. It was really important. It was that important to save the entire planet and the world from Donald Trump, from orange man bad, that all the lying and all the cover up, that was totally fine. And again, completely comfortable. This guy is Mr. Ethics, Mr. Rational. And here they are just talking about it. And you know why they feel so comfortable? Because they know that nothing's going to happen. They know. They can be completely comfortable. And anybody who's conservative or on the right should really freaking be paying attention to this, watching their body language. Watch how easily they lie. And there's no accountability there is going to be no justice on these things because people on the right uh, continue to worry about civility and rules and politeness while these people are destroying the Western world without a peep of protest. Nobody's using even the minimal tools that we have at our disposable our disposal to fight back. So it's a it's a a big story. You would think that some people on the conservative right might be a little bit more vocal about it, but, you know, we'll wait and see. But the reason, the frightening thing is how these psychopaths just talk about it so calmly and they just spew out the lies so easily, you know, like like St. Anthony Fauci as well, because they have nothing to worry about. I mean, Fauci is trying to duck some accountability by allegedly retiring. I mean, he's still going to be on the taxpayer payroll, right? Um, and the only hint of fight back is from Dr. Rand Paul. We'll see what turns out with that. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, the other interesting thing about that is, I don't know if any of you guys have noticed, but there seems to be a little bit of a trend. I'm kind of feeling it a little bit. Somehow all these politicians are now starting to say that, oh, you know, lockdowns, school closures, firing people for not taking the magic juice. Oh, maybe you know, maybe it wasn't super awesome planning. Um, it's like they're they're all starting to say that right now. Like what's cooking behind the scenes that everybody's saying this sort of thing right now? Like we've seen this coming from Rishi Sunak in Britain. I saw that the governor of Michigan had some similar statements. Everybody's kind of doing these like sort of really lukewarm mea culpas about some parts of the lockdowns that they that they instituted so i'm just wondering what's going on with the timing this these these things cannot be coincidences they're all singing from the same hymn sheet right now see if you notice it where you all are uh, that some of the politicians are trying to get ahead of this um, 
it actually reminds me of some the Kathy Shadle, of course, had a great observation and a couple great lines about this was that these crazy lefty liberal policies, basically the catchphrase was, what could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? And then when the poop hits the fan and the disaster has happened, they shrug and they look at you and they say, well, how could we have possibly have known? How could we have possibly have known? So that's something that I've observed um, lately. I'd be interested uh, to hear if you guys are seeing the same thing or if it's just a few. I mean, they say in the news business that three's a trend. So I've definitely seen this in Michigan. We're seeing it in Britain. Uh, let me know. You can pop a, a comment in the comments if you feel like it or um, even onto the links comments if you think that anything similar is happening where you guys are. Let us continue. Um, Michelle Dulac uh, hi, Laura. Can you possibly sort out this student loan kerfuffle for us? I mean, from here, it looks like a straight wealth transfer from the have-nots to the haves. Yeah, that's basically what it is. The former, of course, being everyone dumb enough to either prepare for college beforehand. Yes, the suckers who were responsible and did not do things outside their budget or are saddled with their huge loans. Uh, yeah, or didn't go to college at all, probably wiser. Um, they are screwed. They are the suckers. Absolutely. I don't really have that much else to add. You guys have a super crazy, indulgent, decadent, money-burning, cadaver-run American government. And this is certainly um, a vote by, you know, they're trying to buy the woke, millennial, wacko, unhappy youth vote. And um, you're going to end up just with no professional class people who can do anything. Nope. There's going to be nobody who can like fix a toilet. There's going to be nobody who can properly fly a plane because they're going to be all these diversity quote, um, criteria. You know, we see this in um, in the Royal Air Force. Mark reported on a story on the Mark Stein show uh, last week that um, the Royal Air Force in Britain, they, they didn't feel fill their diversity uh, criteria, their quota for 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 Air Force pilots. And um it reminded me of a joke, I think it was, it, well, it was a joke of, about a decade ago. It's not really a joke now because it's reality that um, there's a bunch of people in the plane and the pilot says, um, attention, ladies and gentlemen, um, I have some good news and some bad news for you, if you could pay attention for a minute. And he says, uh, the, the bad news is that we're, we're all going to die. Um, I, I really... We're, we're gonna go we're gonna go crash into the ocean we have a few seconds if you want to say goodbye to your loved ones and then he says but the good news is that um you know I scored really poorly but I was um a diversity higher and um the good news is that I feel really really super good about myself they let me know about this and and that's the main thing right some basically something like that anyways that was like a wicked you know off-color joke at the time maybe 10 years ago at the most but that's that's really what's happening so what are we going to do when we don't like, like, are you going to want to cross a bridge that was built by, um, I don't know, a sociologist? Are you going to want to have your surgeries done by a doctor, um, a doctor of education like Dr. Jill Biden? These, are, these are where the rubber hits the road is, is life and death. Um, it's, it's very, very frightening. And I think, People aren't really uh, alert to how bad it's going to be. 
Okay. <laughs> if anybody wants to add any like happy questions, like super, like Mark calls them fluffy bunny questions, then we can do some of those too, <laughs> if you want. <laughs> Otherwise, it's kind of gloom and doom. So let us go to George Pazin. I think it's like raisin, right, George? Not Pazin or Pazin. You can let me know. Uh, hello, wonderful Laura. How do you do what you do with respect to Laura's links? How do you find what you find, etc.? The breadth of info that you cover is simply staggering. I consider myself well-read relative to most, yet I don't read 5% of what you are able to read. Thanks for all you do. That is very nice of you, George Pazin. Pazin. Um, so with respect to Laura's links specifically, thank you for that. How do I find what I find? So I, I try to read stuff that's from my enemy camp as well as my, my homies. Um, I like to read a, a variety of commentary from different sources. Even though sometimes it disgusts me, I do try to read people that I completely disagree with to, to keep my pulse on what's happening, what's to know what's on their radar. Um, I know a lot of you guys hate Twitter. Obviously, like I, I've said before, it is a cesspool, but it moves really fast. And there's lots of news organizations, both um, regular, mainstream and independent, uh, who put their stuff up there. So it, it, I like that that there's just a lot, a lot to see. Um, <clears throat> but one thing I think I've mentioned before, one of my favorite um, Jewish scholars, rabbis, I, I, I really do love the late Lubavitcher rabbi, uh, Menachem Schneerson. You guys can look him up if you want. There's lots of lessons in his writings, not just for Jews, but for everybody um, Good on how to lead a good life and a meaningful life. And it's not just for Jews in respect with respect to like mitzvahs. That's what we call our commandments, but lots of life lessons for, for everybody. In fact, um, the late rabbi was a big proponent of the Noahide laws, living a moral and a meaningful life. And one of the things that he says often in his writings is that, <clears throat> excuse me, to have a meaningful life, you want to identify your gifts, really, the reasons why you were put on this earth. Um, and, and most people have a sense of what they're really good at and what their gifts are, what they do best, or as I think I saw Steve Allen talk about this um, elsewhere, I'll, I'll try to pop that in the links as well. The things that you do the best with almost the least effort that that come out amazing every time. And for different people, it's different things. So use your gifts. Be grateful to what you've been given from God. And that's what you're supposed to do with your life. And um, so I guess I'm not trying to like blow my own horn, but I've, I've identified over the years a few things that I do well and a few gifts that I got. And one of the things is just, I'm a really fast reader. Um, yeah, it's one of my like, uh, weird, crazy in Yiddish, there's a word called cranks, which means just like one of your, your oddities or, uh, things that, um, describe you. And that's one of my things. So fortunately I am able to get through a lot of stuff. Yeah. Fast reading. So the, actually, you know, as a lesson, whatever reading skills you guys can give to your kids and grandchildren, you never know where that's going to lead you. I mean, it led me to being able to uh, torture Mark Stein on a weekly basis. So 
all good with that. But, um, but seriously, everybody should be taking a minute or a moment out of their time and just thinking about the things that you do so well that it's effortless for you and somebody else might look at you and be puzzled by it. And those are the things that hopefully you are already or will be sharing with others. That's that's your gift and your strength and that's the secret of, um, one of the secrets of a meaningful and happy life. Very nice question. So thank you. Thank you, George. Um, so Bud says, hi, Laura, glad to hear your voice again. Can you please help me, us, understand Israeli politics? All I know is that they seem to have an election every three or four days, so I don't quite understand the political culture, the coalitions, etc. Would welcome your insight. So that, that it's it's a really good question. I think it just like takes it would take a long time, longer than than we have right now. It it, it most closely resembles Italy, like mental um, crazy voting and crazy parties, um, Mediterranean temperament, uh, hot headed people. Uh, fighting it out with words and sometimes shoving each other. Uh, the main thing about Israel, I think, in terms of the politics, is that it's not there's no geographical representation representation really. Um, each political party um, has members. I'm going to give you the real nutshell, but maybe I'll try to find an article that can describe it a little bit better. So the you you get a membership for a party, and then the party elects their leader. Um, whoever gets the most votes. And then what happens is um, the party members have a ranking list. So like, for example, in Likud, the party members vote and like Netanyahu is the, the number one guy. So he gets to be the leader. So all the parties do this. And then when there's a general election, um, the threshold to getting a Knesset seat, a seat in the Israeli Knesset where there are 120 seats, you have to get a minimum of 4% of the vote. So basically like the the problem happens is that there's a ton of small parties and there's competing parties like on competing left-wing parties competing right-wing parties religious not religious arab communist whatever it is and the small parties can yield a disproportionate amount of power even if they only have a couple seats um, because they can um, tip the balance between left and right Usually, usually Israel is really almost like deadlocked in a 50-50 split. So the smaller parties have a real advantage. And that's what happened with Naftali Bennett. He only got six uh, mandates and he was able to be the prime minister by cobbling together um, a coalition with terrifically anti-Zionist Arab parties who extorted him good and hard. And um, it ended up that that government obviously imploded because it was not sustainable to actually sit in a government, you know, with people who identify with the Muslim Brotherhood in Israel. It was a disaster. But that's kind of in a nutshell. It's a very, it's kind of a weird system. And I think the problem could be solved by just making the number of votes required and the threshold a little bit higher. I hope that answers. That's like a very preliminary um, peek at Israeli politics. Okay. Um, moving upwards, upwards, downwards, uh, Elisa Angel, is it Elisa or Elisa? Laura, one of your links, uh, was about the Canadian government trespassing on private land in Saskatchewan to take water samples. Yes, they were sampling for, um, 
a fertilizer content, as far as I know, why only send a letter instead of going straight into court to charge the Canadian government with trespass? What are private property rights in Canada? And assuming private property rights exist, how do private property owners defend themselves from their government? Um, yeah, the whole story in Saskatchewan uh, is for anybody who didn't see that article. And there's been a little bit of chatter about it. Uh, there's rumors, and I also linked to an article that says that Trudeau is planning for us some kind of like an environmental SWAT team ministry, something really crazy and kooky, like like Robocop type of stuff to um, to guard against climate change and make sure that people aren't using fertilizers so that they, God forbid, can't grow food. And there were some episodes of Saskatchewan farmers reporting that people were trespassing on their property illegally and taking soil samples. Um, so I think the letter, if I recall, it was from the premier. Saskatchewan's not very happy with Trudeau, but uh, like, I don't know how, what good that's going to be. Um, Trudeau still is in power. He loves power and he is a, a real green freak and, um, he's upping the ante all the time. Like, I think I've said before that this, with these people, with these totalitarian China admiring people like Trudeau, there's no live and let live. And they are seriously determined um, to ruin the, the food supply, the supply chain they've mucked up already. They want us to eat the bugs and um, stop eating meat. They're going to tax people. They're just, they, they want people to starve. This is like grinds of like Kulak territory. Um, so I, I don't know about the specifics, um, but it doesn't look good. I mean, everything that looks moderately suspect in the beginning turns out to be something really awful with the Trudeau government. Um, there were rumors during the COVID that, oh, no, we're not going to do quarantine hotels. What are you talking about? And then and then there were all of a sudden. Um, so I, I think we have to keep a close eye on that and on the Dutch farmers and, and on, on farmers everywhere and try to lend them our support um, wherever we can. Um, again, not not a good thing. And if you guys are seeing similar things where you are, it'd be interesting to see um, how much, you know, to, the extent to which this is coordinated um, between governments. I think we can see that there's um, at least a trio of these wackos. It's like, um, you know, Trudeau, Macron, and I, I, I guess just Jacinda in uh, New Zealand. I, apparently she's sort of on her way out, but, uh, you know, Britain is not in great shape. Um, yeah, I, again, I wish there were some adults in the room um, Trump was really a counterbalance to a lot of this craziness. They just wouldn't be pulling all this stuff. Um, I'm sure, like I said, if DeSantis becomes the president, uh, that he will also be a force to reckon with on this. But we've we've really lost a lot of territory. And um, now we're going to be losing these farms if people don't start to fight back very, very hard and strong. All right. We're going to move along. Um we have a question from Peter Piper. Hey, Laura, here's the third mea culpa you asked for. Yes, yes, New York. That's right. New York, Kathy Hochul. How do you pronounce it? Hochul. When the decisions were made to have all the kids go home and learn remotely. Wow, wow, wow. What a mistake that was. Yeah, nice passive language. I mean, doesn't that drive you guys crazy? Like 9-11, the Twin Towers, they just fell. The Twin Towers, they fell. Um, like as if all these psychos weren't the ones who were doing this to us. It, there, so so yes, Peter, there's there's got to be a trend here and they've got to know that something's 
um, coming down the road for them and they're trying to get ahead of it. And um, it would be interesting, you know, if somebody Freedom of Information Act did this uh, freedom, an FOI request to see what, what the correspondence is on this, the messaging, because it's very interesting that it's all happening in, in the past few days, Fauci out, and then a few of these governors and other people. Um, there's also that uh, doctor, She, I think she was like one of the COVID zero people at first, that, that Lorena Wen. Um, she was really hard line. And now she's online saying that actually, you know, whoopsie, her son has a speech development problem. Um, and, you know, on the one hand, people are saying like, well, hello, this is your fault, you know, you terrible person. And other people are like, oh, be a bit more forgiving, because as long as people come to the the right conclusion, like their the evolution in their thought is something to appreciate. I don't know. I, I feel like so many of these things were so evil in real time. And now people are trying to evade their responsibility for it. Um, it's, it's really disgusting. Okay. Uh, let's see. Rachel Aronoff. Hello, Rachel. Uh, Dear Laura, I'm writing to you from the northern suburbs of New York City where the influence of COVID continues to strangle us. I just came from the kosher butcher where half the people are wearing masks, and I'm sad to say I just feel so much negativity being around these faceless people. I continue to hear firsthand of healthy people in our community hospitalized with severe illness, but no one asks if it could be vaccine related. Our Jewish day school plans on continuing to hold COVID vaccine clinics this fall as if there aren't vaccines available at every drugstore in town. I'm moving my daughter into college in New York City on Sunday where she's required to be boosted and PCR tested every week. At the same time, there's a scary quiet. No one's pushing for the fourth dose yet. I think this is another calm before the storm. I don't think vaccine fascists are through with us yet. What do you think? What's it like in Toronto? What do you think of the stories of all the young doctors who died in Ontario in the weeks after the fourth dose became available to all? Hey, Rachel, there's an awful lot to unpack here. I personally, I mean, I don't know what your situation is. I would never uh, allow my my kids um, to get a booster, like never. Um, my disabled son never got the, the magic juice himself. I was not willing, that, that was a hill I was willing to die on. And boosters, like booster literally over my dead body. Like there's no question about it. And I would not send my children to anywhere um, that required a booster. Um, and my husband and I are 100% aligned with that. It is, it is so risky. It is so risky to young people. It is disgusting that administrators want to play Russian roulette with yours and my children. And you know what? They will not care in the slightest if they are injured or if they get myocarditis. They are not going to care or worse, deaths. They are not going to care. So I would advise anybody who was coerced or took the two jabs, you know, because they didn't think it was risky or whatever the reason, look really carefully at the booster data. Mark is reporting on this frequently. There are lots of very young athletes, professional athletes in the peak of fitness, dropping dead like flies. And if you'll notice, there's no reporting on what their vaccine status is. And yes, they are being pushed everywhere because these idiot, disgusting governments bought and if it's a graft, we may find out eventually too. Paola, who knows? They bought gazillions of the d- doses of this disgusting, um, not a vaccine, but they call it a vaccine. And it's really dangerous. So it is not necessarily that much better here. Um, the uni- Western University 
two weeks before school started here in Ontario, dropped a bombshell on students that they'd required to be boosted and masked on campus. Um, I know of one other student residence that requires it. In, in For the most part, Ontario universities are recommending but not mandating. Um, but I would I would just never not not ever like ever. Um, I think it's really risky that everybody's going to make their own decision. Right. But there's um, there's just too much stuff coming out lately that makes me very, very concerned. And there will be no end. It'll be fourth and fifth and whatever. And yes, there were a number of young doctors. Some of them apparently had previous illnesses, but who knows? They're, you know, they're not they're not talking about it. So you have to pay very close attention to what is not being said about these deaths. And what's not being said is um, anything about their vaccine. And I think that Ontario hospitals and Ontario paramedics, um, they, they were these doctors were encouraged or mandated to, to take lots of boosters. I mean, I think that the doctors were probably up to their fourth boosters. 70 and 80 year olds are being offered a fifth booster. And I think I think there's enough evidence right now to to really be suspicious of of these products. I can't call them a vaccine anymore. Um, and as for faces, yeah, I mean, uh, seeing faces, the joy of that still has not worn off for me. Like, I mean, I was in the grocery store earlier and I was looking at the cashier's face and I was just really happy to see a face. And I feel kind of stupid because almost every time I see faces, people in the service industry, people on the bus, I feel like saying like, it's just so nice to see your face. I don't want people to think I'm like a weirdo, but like, I'm so happy for that small bit of normal and and then and then I, I go into angry mode because I'm so angry about what was stolen from us and what they did to us. What they did to us, you, how many lives were destroyed, families, friendships, marriages, children, businesses, personal finances, brains, people's brains are broken. They will not recover. And a lot of people just got rich from it COVID was another bank machine. Nobody is sorry about it. And now they're all doing a cover your butt. We still need to be really angry about this. And you have the right and you have an obligation if you have email and you have a pen and you have a phone to try to make these people never sit in positions of power again. Not ever. Not ever. They destroyed vast areas of humanity. And that's unforgivable. That is unforgivable. The suicides, the depression, the illnesses that progressed and became worse. The senior citizens who were told to isolate and told to hug their loved ones from behind a window or in plastic. The grandchildren who were told that they were going to kill their grandparents. I mean, this is so evil. This is so evil. These people have to pay some kind of a price. They have to. We cannot just move along and say, next, whatever, no big deal. Everybody where they are has to take a stand of some kind because these were truly sadistic, evil things that were done to us. Getting a little hot under the collar here. So yeah, Rachel, I'm sorry that things are still... I mean, look at New York City is turned into a real dump. There's a lot of really bad anti-Semitic attacks there all the time that people don't want to talk about. New York State is a dump. So 
I mean, I think in general, you have to plan to remove your family from these dangerous, decrepit states, however you can. That's really the only solution. A lot of people have done that. And I know a lot of people say that they can't for their jobs or whatever, but like you have to think long term about your family's safety. Okay, let's see. Take a little bit of water as well. I'm going to scroll to Robert Fox. Robert, uh, hey, Laura, allegations revealed in the heavily redacted affidavit for the Trump Mar-a-Lago raid assert that all the former president had possession of classified documents, blah, blah, ain't buying it. Yeah, it's all baloney. It's really to just, you know, put Trump in a very bad light before November. Um, I think I think the Democrats know that they're even even the most smug among them know how bad things are, but they're going to dig their heels in uh, like whoever is running the government. It's obviously not Biden. He's not capable. He's not cognizant. He's really mentally not able to be running anything. Um, so it's lots of bad press. It's trumped up baloney. But it, the thing that's so dangerous about it is is really because of how heavily armed everybody is in America. Um, like, do you really think that the FBI or somebody from the FBI or some of these guys with big weapons would not have shot somebody there under the slightest pretense of disorder? Um, the FBI is like completely corrupt. Um, just go back to that Facebook story where Mark Zuckerberg talked about the FBI being so under. They're they're all in cahoots. You know, it's thoroughly decrepit, and Americans ought to be very very um, scared of the FBI. I heard um, a civil rights lawyer yesterday on Tucker talking about how it should be completely dismantled, and I think it really does need to be raised to the ground in some ways because it's so corrupt, it's so scary. Um, and once you get in their clutches, your life is destroyed. They're, they're, they are expert, uh, not at law enforcement and not at rule of law. They are expert in um, punishing ideological enemies at the behest of the government, which wishes to be the government for life. This is very bad. <laughs> this is truly like Chinese communist territory. So guys, be, be careful and beware. Let's see what else we've got here. Uh, another Mar-a-Lago question. Yeah, look, at. I mean, it's just, it's so, so disgusting. Um, we've got here Penn's Woods. Laura, I, I only got the one-shot J&J because I wanted to travel to Canada for a visit. Are those restrictions still in place? I entered by auto, but it was a hassle. Yeah, Canada, I, I think the J&J is acceptable and if you come by car or even by air into Canada still you have to there we have this horrific stupid arrive can app which again it's just like an information gathering thing and I we're not really sure where all that information about people is going a lot of people are refusing to do it um apparently if you're a Canadian anyways, not if you're a tourist, but if you're Canadian, they can't refuse you entry for not using it, but they give people really big fines. So I would recommend not downloading it onto your phone. It's very glitchy. And then, you know, Justin Trudeau and all his awful friends will have access to your information. You can you can fill out the form on, on the web um, instead of downloading it right onto your phone. 
So I would recommend that as a workaround. There is a case being launched against the government regarding the ArriveCan app by the Democracy Fund. Um, I just saw that. Um, it's, it's a horrible thing. It's made the airports terrible. Like Toronto Pearson is like the worst airport in the world. And, but this, as liberals, as the liberals do generally, they're just going to dig their heels in and keep, keep it and make it worse for everybody. And it's a very, there's a very weird, um, this also hasn't been talked about very much, but there was a very odd procurement process or lack thereof for this terrible, glitchy, clunky Uh, awful app. And um, I remember reading about it. It, I think it was like a $14 million app, if I recall. And there was no request for proposals. It was like an exclusive given to somebody. So again, you've just got to wonder behind the scenes um, what is going on with all this stuff. It it can't be good. (laughs) It just can't be good. And honestly, I wouldn't even recommend um, spending tourist dollars here in Canada spend your money where like use your money as your wallet in your wallet as your weapon and um, spend it in places that are free. I would spend it my money in Mexico. It's more free than Canada right now. Little water break. Let's see what else we've got here. Uh, Alyssa L. I struggle through Dr. Burke's book and I'm reading Piero Navarro's Correct Collection of the Plague Year. Um, I just finished the hydrochloroquine chapter. Our governments will not allow citizens to sue the vaccine maker. That is correct. They've, they all signed off on like no, no liability stuff. Um, but do you think it's possible in some misty future that the truth about vaccines and effective early stage treatments will be revealed when the well-funded insurance companies sue over having, yeah, I, that's a really that's a good point so i think the information has been out there for a while um i think it's coming out i think it's going to be completely out there and definitely there's a chance that the insurance industry um will be will be ahead of it and will be probably one of the groups or bodies that uh, makes sense and makes um some some somebody somewhere pay um it's a very sinister thing uh, it's it's obvious that there were early treatments available that were it's obvious everything was censored. It's really dangerous, scary stuff. Um, it's just a very evil convergence. That's why I say it. it's like this evil blob. It's like the vaccines, um, the the Chinese style censorship, the big tech companies, the lockdowns, the social distancing, the closing of religious worship, um, demonizing of children. Um, forcing people to take medical procedures that they didn't need. Uh, also, the recognition, no recognition of natural immunity. I mean, even myself, like after we had COVID in my house, we, it ran through my house in December 2020. And um, I remember asking people and my doctors even, I was like, okay, so I, so I had COVID. So why? And I, I didn't want to take the vaccine. I was like, why do I need to if I had this thing already? I said, like, obviously I'm not a doctor, but if I had the chicken pox or somebody has a chicken pox, why would they need the chicken pox vaccine afterwards? And there was just no satisfactory answer. It was just like a flub, flub, flub of, well, we don't know how long your immunity lasts and not very satisfactory. So I think we have to look at all of these things and think this is something tremendously dark. Um, it's like a a World War Three assault on humans. I think Naomi Wolf called it an assault on humanity, and and it really is. So I'm I'm 
I'm optimistic that the information will come out because it's already starting to come out, but I'm, I'm not as optimistic about um, who's going to pay. And, uh, and I think we should still, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be uh, trying to get some kind of justice, but it's going to be hard to attain. Um, it's going to be really difficult. Uphill battle. Let's see. Um, Susie Thomas says, my brother in Toronto has been commenting on ill effects. He and his wife seem to be suffering, oh, from 5G towers in the areas. I do not. I am not expert on this um, at all. Sorry. Sorry, Susie. Um, Let's move up a little bit. Uh, Gabrielle Garcia Moreno Liz Trust has been roundly criticized today for her failure to fawn over the pompous nickel and dime Napoleon, who has spent his presidency systematically trolling the British, impeding Brexit at every turn and feigning impotence as thousands of migrants stream across the channel. Is diplomatic rudeness not the least Macron deserves? Indeed. Should not the British go on the offensive over his tacit endorsement of this large-scale border erosion and deport two illegal Migrants on Normandy Beach for everyone who arrives in Kenwan. So um, I'll give like a quickie answer to that uh, because I'm going to defer mostly. You, you got to listen to Mark Stein on, on the British stuff. He's definitely got more of um, a finger on the pulse. Um, all this stuff, the, the collapsing of the economy, the British um, fuel prices that are going up, the invasion of able-bodied young men, in boats um, to the shores of England at record-breaking levels. Like Neil Oliver, I put it on Mark's show, and Neil Oliver was saying that these things are happening. The simplest explanation is that that's the way the powers want them to happen, right? If if they didn't want things to happen, they wouldn't be. They wouldn't be. It's very simple. So these awful regimes and awful politicians decided that they should lock us in our houses. And they created the infrastructure for that, you know, in seconds. And then they decided that, you know, they were going to curtail our freedoms and institute green passes. So that infrastructure happened really quickly as well. So things that they want to happen, they being these terrible, awful people with their disgusting policies, those things are going to happen uh, very quickly and easily, no problem. And whatever you're seeing is is a result of that. Um, so it's very bad. And England is not really in a position economically um, to, to be accepting all these immigrants. And, you know, they're not the best and the brightest, obviously, always or almost at all. There was a story that I posted um, last week about um, the machete wars in some small, quaint English town. Um, it was like rival gangs. And um, seems to me that that machete rival gang thing, you know, is a relatively recent introduction into British culture, like, you know, t- crumpets and tea and fish and chips and cucumber sandwiches and all that sort of thing. Ha ha ha, jolly old England. But I don't recall machete wars, warring Somali or um, Afghani tribes being a big part of uh, British history. So... Whatever is happening is because it's meant to be happening by the people who have the power above us. So the only thing that you can do is, like Mark always says, um, they will not be shamed. 
into doing the right thing, you've got to make it impossible for them to do the wrong thing. Um, and you have to just really shore up your strength because it's an ongoing battle. Uh, let's see. Let's see what else we got here. Um, probably have time for like one or two more questions because we are now five to five and uh, synagogue services, my friends, are 625 Eastern time. So that's the time zone <laughs> that I got to keep my eye on. Let's take uh, Suzanne Rini, Rennie, uh, a lowbrow comment about the BBC shows. BBC show EastEnders were a bit behind in Canada. They're showing January episodes right now, but recently there's been a storyline about, quote, right-wingers, where a character blames his father's admiration of Margaret Thatcher for his having become a radical who hates Muslims and immigration. Seriously, the upshot of the storyline was that anyone who supports conservatives and questions free for all immigration is the terrorist. This seems to be the way many storylines on TV these days are portrayed. How can anyone push back on these narratives? Does anyone even try? You know, um, part of the problem here is that conservatives ceded the territory um, for cultural things. So we're, we've just let lefties write all the creative stuff, all the TV shows, all the movies. And that's a very, a lot of people get their information and their thoughts from these um, left-wing storylines. But, you know, it's so boring. Like, it's so predictable and boring. I'm, I'm like, so bored of this stuff. So I don't even really watch any of this crap at all. Um, Mr. C and I usually watch, like, Israeli shows because they're just more interesting and creative and don't have these boring storylines. It's just such an easy, trite Thing, to just blame right-wingers for everything. It's this awful, horrible, white right-wingers and these white conservative Christians. And they accuse you of the worst things. And, and really, all you have to know is whatever they're accusing you of, that's exactly what they're doing. That's what they're doing. So just see whatever they say, whatever they accuse you of is what they're doing. They're just like, they're, they're laying it out for you, what they're doing. How can anyone push back on the narratives? Well, you know, there's sort of a simple answer and then there's a bigger one. The simple one is you just don't accept it. You, you politely say, well, that's not actually true. That's not true. Oh, really? When did this happen? When did that happen? You have to, like, engage at the level that you're able to with these things, with these people, with these concepts. And I always say, like, do what you can and not what you can't. If somebody's spouting this gargantuan whopper of a lie, then you can you can choose. You can politely, you can choose to engage. You can choose to point out a lie. And that's what Mark also has called living in truth. That's, that's, that's on a micro level. It's really important. Um, you can choose not to participate in, in these lies um, when you're able. Now, I, now I know a lot of people are in a vulnerable position. Um, your, your income can depend on it, your participation in some of this stuff. So, so I think everybody has to choose for themselves, um, what they're going to push back on, but you can't, you can't just roll over on everything. Like you have to, you have to pick a few things that are the important, um, the important hills for you. Because uh, if everybody just goes along to get along, it, it's going to get a lot worse. It, it's already pretty bad. It's already pretty bad. And, um, you know, a couple of years ago, we were talking about not accepting the, quote, new normal. 
but but they did that to us they, they actually did if you think about it they did achieve the new normal that's what we're living in right now i mean you can look at it and try to charitably see it as um like a recovery or a getting back to normal but there really is a new normal if you think about it because so many things have not returned and will not return so they were they were able to do that to us so now the question is how do we figure out where to go to from here and i think it requires um eternal vigilance and faith and action um because unfortunately they they did they did the new normal to us i, I don't think there's any doubt about that uh, if you take issue you can let me know but um i think some things are beyond getting back to what it was um okay let's see what else uh this will probably be the last one um laura great guest host of guest hosts um, professional sports in america has conditioned modern fans to accept the concept of plan tanking oi john <laughs> i i don't have a clue as far as i'm concerned sports are mostly bunches of men with a ball and the ball is thrown or ball is kicked with men men throw men toss it backwards forwards with bat uh overhead in basket ball this way that way so i cannot really help you on that <laughs> if there's another jewy kind of question uh, before we wrap up i will take that and if not, then we will um, just hope that everybody, again, just guys, do what you can. Um, stay strong and don't get too despondent. Obviously, uh, there are a bunch of us who think in a similar fashion and can shore up each other's strength. So I hope uh, you guys have a nice weekend. Oh, Kate Smythe, I think, was asking about um, saving the links for the rest of the week, the, the column links. And I just wanted to point out that all of the stuff um, that Mark publishes and Rick's movie column and guest posts and all the audio, everything's actually archived really neatly on uh, the Stein Online website. So if you go to the features, you can actually click down. There's a pull-down window and you can see an archive of all of um, people's um, writings and all the columns and stuff like that so uh, again if you have any um, complication with looking up archive stuff uh, drop us a note either to the club uh, mailbox or you can um, drop me a line as well so I think that that is going to be it for this lovely sunny afternoon in uh, Kanakistan and you guys can feel free to get in touch afterwards. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. And uh, I will, I promise I will try to get some details about um, Mark's performance. Um, he promised that he would make me a bespoke um, copper pan to cook in. Uh, we'll see if we can get that past the border. It has been a pleasure and an honor uh, guest hosting for the guest host and uh, warming up Mark's chair even virtually. So you guys take care of yourself and I will see you uh, virtually next week uh, with the column and take care. Hope you enjoyed.
Mark Stein's Clubland Q&A is a production of Mark Stein Enterprises and Oak Hill Media. All rights reserved.